Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit for Amazon Sellers podcast. It's Kirsty and Isaac from Real Coaching here to help you get some incredibly valuable insights for succeeding long-term on Amazon FBA by creating a cash-generating business that puts money back into your pocket instead of flying out of the window. This week, we're going to be speaking with Cindy Thomason, who is an author and e-commerce accounting professional. She wrote the book Profit First for E-commerce Sellers, which is a licensed offshoot of the popular Profit First book from Mike Michalowicz. And she's here today to talk to us about how you can actually transform your Amazon business from a cash-eating monster to a money-making machine, as her book's subtitle suggests. That's right. So welcome, Cindy. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm delighted to get to talk about Profit First. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's my favorite thing as well, because that's all we want to see. Right? We want to see the money, man. There's no point in like, making <laughs> exactly. a ton of sales. I want to see the money in my pocket. That's what I want to see. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we're going to jump into, you know, some questions about how it works. You know, what's the best way that people can get started with it if they haven't already, and then how they can kind of accelerate it from there. But before we get into all that cool stuff, Usually what we like to do is just kind of understand a little bit about you. You know, how did you even get into this? How did you meet Mike? You know, how did you, you know, kind of start working with him and then, you know, really tailor it to e-commerce? Because I think it's a big issue for a lot of people in e-commerce, not just Amazon sellers as well. But I think a lot of people get into e-commerce because it can be a lot easier to start, right, without setting up a massive kind of system. However, then that's where the kind of the sales come in, but the kind of profit leaks out in some way, shape, or form. So it'd be awesome to understand how you even got into that space in the first place. Well, I um, started a uh, accounting business uh, back in 2012, I think, and um, it was primarily something to do as a sideline. My daughter has dyslexia, and I, I was uh, needing a lot of flexibility to take her to tutoring classes. And um, it, a friend needed some help, and then got referrals. So I had kind of a traditional accounting business. I went in 2014 to the first QuickBooks conference and Mike happened to be speaking there um, with the original book, Profit First. He self-published. It was just, it was just coming out. And I, I did not go to his class. I was in the room next door to him and whatever. It was after lunch and it was so boring and I was having so much trouble trying to stay away. But I could hear this laughter from the room next door. So I got up and I moved to the, I'm like, I'm going where it's funny, right? So I went over and Mike was typical Mike. He's just full of energy and um, telling great stories. And uh, I heard like the last 15 or 20 minutes of his talk. And I'm like, man, this is what my clients need. So he gave us a book. And uh, I read it on the way home and I called uh, Profit First Professionals on Monday morning and um, I signed up. I'm, I'm number nine on the list of Profit First Professionals. But, it, it, you know, it, it, it was a little bit selfish on my part because I could see my clients books. Right. I know their finances. And I'm like, I don't know how long these people are going to be around because it is not looking good. And uh, I felt like this could help them and that would ultimately keep me around. And so um, I implemented it in my business and it just it just changed the way I looked at everything and yeah. um, was then great to go start working with clients on it. 
Now, Mike, uh, as a result of my joining Profit First Professionals, he became my business coach. I was very early in the organization. Now they've got, I think, a thousand worldwide. But, but Mike became my business coach, and he coached me during the time that he wrote the book Surge and the book's Clockwork. Mm-hmm. So um, in the Surge process, which is all about finding your niche, He was working with me to look at my clients that I had and determine what I would focus on. And so I decided to focus on e-commerce. I had a handful of clients that um, we were doing accounting for in the e-commerce space, mainly because I had one and she made referrals. And but we kind of meshed in that we we were the e-commerce folks were looking for flexibility in their lifestyle. And that's what I really needed because my daughter was still at home and I needed to be able to go wherever she needed me to take her as far as the tutoring, et cetera. And, and my local clients wanted me to come there and look at their computer and, you know, it just created a lot of stress trying to make all of that work. Whereas e-commerce clients, they were all over the world and I just logged into their Amazon account or their bank accounts and I didn't have to leave home. So there was a lot of things that kind of meshed in, in that niche with what I was trying to, what what was important to me in my business and what was important to my e-commerce clients. And so we kind of, we kind of connected on that level. And that's the reason I chose to, to move into the e-commerce space. That's yeah, awesome, actually. Yeah, I love I love the fact that you mesh the two together because that's something that we're really um, conscious of is making sure that people build something that they actually want to, you know, <laughs> spend time in or at least time as possible, but get the results. So that's that's awesome that you kind of did that and put the two together. You probably got a lot more clients as well because you were able to work with people all over the world, right? You weren't just, you know, just confined, if you like, to the local businesses. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, and it it really allowed me to develop some specialization in a particular field where I can help my clients more. Um, I would not have been able to write the e-commerce profit first book if I didn't really understand what those e-commerce folks were struggling with. If I had had, you know, my my early days, I had a a web designer, a a digital media company, um, a guy that ran race timing uh, events, uh, like for 5K um, marathons, et cetera. You know, a bike shop. I had everybody, and it was fun. I love learning about their stuff, but it was all superficial. When When you focus on a niche, then you get really deep into what that particular group's needs are and so it allowed me to really serve my clients at a deeper level than I had been able to before yeah and I think that there's a huge um, need and demand for e-commerce sellers to find accounting accountant systems and professionals that actually want to work with them because most people are just like we don't really want to work with that because it's not what we traditionally do so they get very kind of um, mediocre advice or just you know, kind of don't really get the advice that they need on how to actually maintain their profit and all that stuff. Um, so I think it's it's definitely a, an underserved niche and, and it's growing every year. Yeah, it, it really is. I know when I first started that I could do a Google search and, and me and one other uh, a firm would show up. And now it's like, good gracious, look at all the folks out here. But, you know, when you think about how many Amazon sellers there are, it's still a drop in the bucket, really. There's, yeah. there's plenty of uh, opportunity. Yeah, so let's kind of go back and, and let's talk about what profit first actually means. 
Um, obviously, it's pretty simple. I mean, it means <laughs> profit first, right? Let's talk about what it means for like a business, right? Because um, if it's, somebody hasn't read the book, either yours or Mike's, then probably just going, what, what does that mean? Like, what does profit first mean? And then kind of sort of summarize how that breaks down in terms of steps, because it's not just like taking you know, action on certain things either. It's also, you might have to have a fundamental mind shift about your business and how the profits work in your business, right? That's right. And, you know, it, it really is a whole different way of looking at your financials uh, and what you look at in your financials. So we'll start with what it is first. Profit First is, is really a, like a cash flow management system to, to help you have visibility in how your cash is working for you. It, it's based on this principle called Parkinson's Law. And um, Parkinson's law has been around since the 50s. There was a, a British naval historian that was an economist that, that um, I think his name is Cyril Northcote Parkinson. And he came up with this uh, theory that, that um, resources expand to meet the, the demand. So, um, so if you have um, or to meet what's available. So for example, let me give the example of the toothpaste because that's my favorite. Um, when I travel, I have this little tube of toothpaste. And if I'm on the road, I put just a little dab of toothpaste on my toothbrush. But when I'm home, I have my big full-size tube of toothpaste and I use my, you know, I get real luxurious and put a lot of toothpaste on my toothbrush. And it's just a different mindset because when things, um, are scarce, we use less of them. When things are plentiful, we use more of them. So you can imagine this as he's studying the, the British Navy bureaucracy. They What he found was they would bring more and more people in to do jobs and the work would expand to fill the people that were there. They never got ahead of it. Uh, I, I remember when I, I lived in North Carolina, they were always working on the roads and then the traffic would get more, you know, it was just like they were never ahead of it. So it's the same kind of thing. Uh, basically you use what you got. So if you look in your bank account and you have one bank account, which most businesses have one checking account and everything is in there, all your money's in there. It's hard to identify any purpose around that money. It, it just, it's like vegetable soup. You look in vegetable soup and you can't tell how many carrots are there and how many potatoes. It's just all mixed together. Whereas if you make separate bank accounts and give them a purpose, like we recommend for our clients to have a, a checking account for their operating expenses, a checking account for their inventory, and then a savings account for their profit. Then you can look at that bank account and know that that money is designated for that particular use. And you can start to learn what the flow is around that cash. So for example, um, operating expenses have a, a unique flow. When you pay your rent for your warehouse, maybe you pay a salary for your, um, for your contractors or your employees, maybe you pay your insurance, those things happen on a regular basis. Every month, you're gonna make those payments. So they're very predictable. But our inventory is typically not that predictable. We have to make an initial cash outlay of a deposit. Then we may get to pay something else in 30 days or, or the balance in 60 days. And then that product's not gonna come in for another 60 days while it's on the, on the boat. And then it's gotta get to Amazon and then it's gotta get sold. And then it's, you know, we're looking at 90 days out to actually start getting some money back on that investment that we made. And let's say you hit it really good 
and you're selling a lot, then you've got to turn around and order some more. And if you're not prepared for that second order or down the line, you're not putting money aside, you really are setting yourselves up to have a problem with cash flow for your inventory. Because what we see a lot of times is people look in their one checking account and it's growing because now they're making some sales, but they don't think about they got another inventory purchase to make and they get they get happy uh, and start spending money on things like a new computer or um, maybe going ahead and making a, a purchase of uh, something that would be nice to have, but is not the lifeblood of the business like inventory is. Then they have to borrow the money to pay for that in next inventory order because they've used the money for something else. So simply put, you just have bank accounts for the for a specific purpose. You fund those bank accounts based on the income that you get in and and then you use them for that purpose and you can start to see the cash flow related to those specific purposes. Yeah. And now that's think, a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the concept because uh, unlike traditional accounting, um, you get like a P&L and you're like, okay, well, I made $6,000 last month or lost $4,000 and doesn't really make much sense to most people because they're like, well, now what do I do? Like, is there an action around that? Whereas if you have these like separate bank accounts, you can just see the the growing balances and the draining balances and you know what to do because it's like, okay, if so for example, like you wait a year and all of a sudden you have to pay taxes and you're like, oh, I didn't plan for that. Well, then that's a huge expense that could potentially, you know, defund the the product that launches or reordering inventory or something like that because you didn't plan for it. Um, and that's another thing that Kirsty, you and I have both seen is uh, people that are like, oh, we've got a growing business. We got a growing bank account. Well, let's order more products, like new products, launch more products. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they do that to where they actually run out of cash as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's several purposes for our money that these bank accounts can serve. We recommend that people start kind of slow because when you first start separating your money out, if you get too aggressive with it and start putting it in five or six bank accounts, then, then you're always juggling and trying to replenish or, um, you know, you're moving money from one to the other. But if you go kind of slow, we call it a beach entry and you, you kind of wade in and get used to the water, then you, you can set the accounts up for inventory and profit. And of course, you probably already have a, a, a OPEX account and get used to that system. But then you're going to want to add paying yourself. You know, profit first is all about paying yourself and taking profit out of the business and taxes. Ultimately, you want to get those two things working in conjunction with themselves, because if you're starting to see those bank accounts grow, you want to you want to be paying yourself. I can't tell you how many people I when they come to me, they say, I'm waiting for my taxes to see if I made any money last year or not. I'm like, well, you're, you're waiting, you know, a whole four months after your year is over. That's not giving you any data to know how you're doing. And, and who wants to work for a year and four months to see if they can pay themselves? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't do that in any other job. So why, why don't we set our, we have control over this one, right? So why would we set it up that way? So the whole idea around profit first is it's kind of a primacy effect uh, principle, whereas what comes first in our thinking is what gets paid attention to. So if you take a normal profit and loss, you'll see um, income and then you'll see your cost of goods sold and um, your expenses and then you'll see your bottom line. And what profit first does is flip that and it says, OK, you got this much money in. 
take your profit out at the beginning so that what's left is what you use to run your, your business on. And it's, it's kind of combining the primacy effect with Parkinson's law because there's less in that bucket. So you're going to operate more frugally or you're going to get more innovative or efficient. And so when there's less in the bucket, we get more creative about things and we use it for that purpose. But we've already taken care of ourselves. We've taken care of profit. And, you know, what happens if you don't do that? I've seen it over and over in all these kinds of businesses. My first example of this was my mom. She had a real estate business and she called me just really upset one time. And she said, I've created a monster. I can't figure out how to manage the money. I can't figure out how to manage my time. I have to be here and I have to stay with it. And nobody wants, that's not why we go into business, right? I mean, nobody wants to create a monster. And so Part of the problem is if we're putting ourselves last in the equation, then, then our family, there's pressure from our family, there's pressure on our personal finances, and all of that just adds up and becomes um, a burden to where we end up hating our business. And, and there's no reason for it. It can be created from the very beginning or from any point where you are right now. It can be switched around so that you put profit first in, in your business and, and it makes all the difference in the world. I'm sure you guys see that in your clients that you work with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that mindset shift of just being able to think first about what you take out, what's most important, right? And I, I love that thing that you said about as it expands, we just spend more. And it's the same with our personal finances, right? It's like you get more cash in, oh, I'll get a better car or, you know, I'll get that extension on the house or I'll do all, you know, I'll buy more fancy. I'm going to buy the same thing, but I'm just going to, you know, buy, buy more expensive ones. And it's the same in your business because you feel that you've got all this, you might feel at some point you've got surplus cash, but it's got a priority or it's got a purpose, like you said. So I like that idea of just flipping that on its head. But also, of course, you're first, then the profit. And one thing that I think was um, a bit of a game changer for us from a stress perspective was the tax, right? Like you mentioned that. And, you know, we have enough there to be able to make sure that if we have to pay forward tax, you know, so before you even have to do it, you know, we're not going to get a penalty because we don't pay that out as well so just having that as part of your business you don't feel like oh I'm giving that money to the tax man you're actually feeling like yeah cool I've got the money and and it's it's totally fine and I'm totally happy to do that so just gives you a, a better peace of mind just the way that you run it and also I love the innovation part yeah rather than just expand and get more people in how do you actually get more out of the people or the products that you currently have versus adding more complexity and, you know, either more staff or whatever that is into the business. I think that's a really cool way to think about it as well. Yeah, because you're right. The complexity costs money and it costs stress in your life. And it, it, it um, if you've not, you know, put the squeeze on what you can get out of your existing system, then you're growing inefficiency at the same time. And yeah. And then, and then inefficiency and complexity, uh, you've got a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so have you got any real world examples of how you've seen like an Amazon seller go from literally not do, having to do very much, but from taking no money to essentially implementing some, you know, the, the first part, getting in the beach or getting on the beach of profit first so that they're able to 
get some of that first money out. And we had um, one of our coaches, as, as Isaac kind of mentioned, she did this in her business and she just started taking a hundred bucks every month. And then within, and then she just kind of topped it up from there. And then in, in a year, she had like $40,000 in the bank, right? Oh, wow. And she was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. So have how, yeah, have you got any real world examples of how that's happened as well? I just pulled up an, an example of a client. Um, I had a call with him this morning because he just sold his business. And um, I've been working with him for five years. So I pulled up every year um, at the end of the year, I do a profit assessment for him. And um, so I had sent that to him uh, early January. And and uh, then he, he told me in March, he had sold his business. So we had this call this morning and I was looking at his numbers. When he started, he, he had a about $70,000 in the bank. And when he sold, he had uh, 1.2 million in the bank. That's, that's, right. just, that's cash. That's not profit and loss on the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, that's cash money in the bank. And can you imagine selling your business, a good with business with a multiple and you get that money. And then you also have this, that, you know, million dollars that's yours too, you know? Um, I, I'm just so proud of, of him and what he's accomplished. And um, he, he he did exactly what you said as far as he he just kept his head down and worked it year over year. He he would call me. Uh, we early on we would have calls every week, and I remember him calling and saying, "Am I doing this wrong? I'm in these groups, and and some of these people they're selling." you know, 5 million and, and they're, they're doing this and that. And I'm like, okay, two things. One is you're doing it your way. And I know your aversion to debt and you're, you're doing it your way without debt. I guarantee you there's debt in their life. You didn't want that. And, you know, that's a, everybody has their own, you know, scale yeah. of what they, whether they like it or don't, but he didn't. And so he, he never had any debt going through this process. And um, I said, the other thing is people can easily put things out in the world and say that's what they're doing. I see people's books and <laughs> I can tell you I've seen what people say and I've seen actual and they're not always the same thing. Now, I don't know your friends and I can't say that they're telling you uh, lies, but I can tell you that does happen. And so it's just no point whatsoever in you comparing yourself to somebody else. You're mm -hmm. you're doing it your way. And, you know, it was really great hearing from him this morning. And he's just, you know, he's had a, a great exit and um, and he's got this cash uh, in addition. And, and he's like, I'm taking whatever time I need to just figure out what I want to do next. If, if, if anything, I'm okay for the rest of my life, really. I mean, yeah. yeah. What a success story, right? You're okay that's amazing. the rest of your life. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Um, it's funny because we we talk about this a lot. Is that top line, you know, sales screenshot of showing, you know, month on month or like week on week or whatever. This is how my sales are going. You know, I've got these awesome top line sales. But yeah, we guarantee that majority of times either, yeah, it's true in terms of the sales, but in terms of the actual money coming back into the into your bank account, it's never what it appears to be, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. And it's the difference between, and I know you guys focus on building a business, but it's the difference between being accomplished at selling online and seeing the opportunity to build a business. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, 
it's harder. It's evolutionary. You got to be able to do that first. You got to be able to sell something, right? But but the whole building a business is a, a different animal, and it it's um, it's where I think the the long term and the lasting payoff is is because you really want to create something that is going to have value when you step out of the picture, or at least. That's what I would want to create. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I think lots of sellers have different ideas about what they want to do to be successful. So I've had people ask me like, well, why don't you have like a $10 million business? And I'm like, I don't want a $10 million business because I know how complex that is, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would rather just have a business that pays for what I needed to pay me for and then run it at that level and be good at that and scale it to that to that level. Whereas some people are like, well, I want to, I want to get $50 million for my business. So I'm like, well, okay you know that you have to obviously scale to that proportion, right? Like it's not going to be a one man show to $50 million. It's going to be a one man show to $500,000. And then after that, it's going to be a lot different for you going forward. So everybody has that concept of what they really want and what they really need. And if you actually explain how complex the business becomes at certain levels, it's like, okay, well, do you want to be a manager? Cause that's what you're going to be at certain levels if in this business. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's the great point between building a business, especially a lifestyle business, the kind of way that you've built your professional practice is mm-hmm. I don't want to have to go and do all that hard work to like, just like go check on somebody's computer. I'd rather work with people that are willing to work with me and make it easy on me that's how your Amazon business can be as well. Like you find products that make it easy on you. You find systems that make it easy on you and you find, you know, ways like first to actually analyze the money easily for you. So I think that's a great, like well-rounded view of how the business should look Um, for most people. I think for those people that want to go jump out and grow to like $50 million. Yeah. I mean, they're going to show screenshots of $5 million in sales in a year, perhaps, but what they're probably not showing is that they grew so fast that their cash flow is probably negative, right? I mean, they're probably, in, especially in that first year, they're probably like, you know, six, $700,000 in debt and cash flow because they're just, just launching more and more products. And that's what nobody's going to talk about is what growth, like scaling growth at that rate is going to look like when you're actually confronting your accountant. They're going, well, you just lost $600,000 this year. And you're like, yeah, but I got 5 million in sales. Like, so next year you should be good, but this year you definitely lost $600,000. Yeah. Yeah. And c- cash is where it's at. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's that money in your bank account. Um, yeah. the, the, the profit and loss um, is got good, good information for managing your business, but it's, it's nothing like the piece that comes from looking at the bank account and knowing I got everything covered. You know, that's yeah. just a real peace of mind. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I was so- just gonna, sorry, Isaac, I was just gonna ask one thing. Just in terms of how can you, so one thing I'm guilty of is I like to see money in the accounts, right? <laughs> I like to see it. So if you've got like one account and say you've even got a profit account, you've got um, a tax account, but I still want to see more in my kind of OPEX account, more than what I actually need. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or how do you kind of get over that? So that I'm not kind of hoarding too much cash, if that makes sense. Well, I think it's a bad thing to have it in your OPEX account because of Parkinson's law. You look at it, there's a lot of money there. Then your focus on being frugal, efficient, uh, innovative, you've kind of taken away some of that pressure. The, the reality is we should all want pressure on our OPEX account. Now, I get the, the, that you want some uh, cushion to feel comfortable, but just keep it out of OPEX because Mm-hmm. When you are looking at that number, you want something that's going to uh, stay at a level that you can know I'm 
I can run my business on this. If it gets to the point where I'm not running my business on this number, then it's because something changed and I'm either wasting money or I, um, or fundamentally I've had to add people or something. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it can change for a good reason and you may need to change your percentage, but you, you, want to, you want that signal. You want to know something has changed here and I need to pay attention to it. This gentleman that I was telling you about that sold his business, he ended up having 23 different bank accounts. <laughs> Because he he used it to manage advertising, advertising, shipping, mm. all of, instead of creating a budget, he figured out his percentages. And then when he started to feel tight in those, you know, um, that the money wasn't there to pay for what he needed, something changed and he needed to pay attention. And he would look and, you know, yeah, shipping costs have gone up. Can I find a better shipper that can do it for less money? Are these people, you know, just starting to screw? you know, creep up on me uh, with their pricing. And so uh, that's the reason I think you, it's nice to have the peace of mind that you know there's a cushion that you can get your hands on, but I wouldn't keep it in OPEX. Put it over in a vault account or your profit account so that it's sitting aside that you can get to it if you need it, but it's mm -hmm. not there to just start to play in your mind as to how you might might yeah. use that money. Yeah, and I like that question because I know Kirsty's asking it for our specific own reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I, I, I've got it in my again what you were saying. Like I've got it in my head, right? And I, um, I'm kind of figuring out. Yeah, I shouldn't spend this, and I should keep this. But I still like to see the whole thing. So yeah, I get what you're saying, and uh, I'll make the shift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, I do remember specifically in Profit First that potential coming up, like. Mike brings up the fact that he's like, if you have a profit account that essentially has three months worth of the ability to float your business without any new sales coming in, that's probably like, that's right about where you want to be. And your OPEX account should never be like carrying the, the profit over the profit account should. Right. And, you know, though, we've just been through the year of the pandemic, right? And it, it was really interesting to me. Um, you, you asked earlier, I think, uh, Kirsty, about uh, examples of how this worked. Here's, here's what happened last year about this time. I was getting emails from people saying, um, Amazon's not taking my product. I don't know what I'm going to do. How can we manage? How are we going to manage? And we started working with those clients, creating a 13-week cash flow plan where we looked at every dollar and where it was going to go out and how we could squeeze every penny. The other emails I got were, thank you so much for Profit First, because we're going to be fine. We've got our, we've got our reserves, our rainy day funds there. And, and I can't tell you how, how, how much at peace I feel for where we are with all this craziness, but I know we're going to be fine. And then it was about probably a month later, I would get an email from them going, holy cow, everything's exploding, but I got the money. I'm going to use this money to do X, Y, Z. So then there was the second round of emails where profit first helped them. So it was just, it was really, I, I told my husband, we're business partners. And I said, you know, after this, I, I just really want to require everybody to do it because it's just so much better for your peace of mind to know that you're yeah. prepared for what's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I have a question for you, and that's basically, we know that the Amazon sellers are probably looking for some actionable thing that they can do right now. And we talked about um, kind of a, a quick sheet that you have. Um, basically, do you have any simple things that our listeners can do or, or take on right now? And basically, if they spend 10, 30, 10 to 30 minutes, that they can actually fix something or catch something or improve their business and understand their profitability and their business, uh, you know, income and finances better? I think you could do it in 30 minutes. Um, I, I would definitely create the two bank accounts. You've probably got your OPEX account already. Create a, um, a profit account and create an inventory account. And then um, just look at what your expectations are with when you're going to have to buy inventory again and put the money, just divide the money up. Mm -hmm. Now, you kind of have to be careful because as I said, if you just open up five or six bank accounts and just start moving money, um, we call that like a cliff dive and you're going to dive in and then you're going to just be flailing around and moving money everywhere. And you're going to go, this doesn't work. Where it works is if you do the beach entry and you just go in slowly and say, all right, I'm going to take care of inventory and I'm going to take care of profit and I'm going to have my OPEX. And um, in my quick um, start guide, I show how, how to go from where you are now to get started so that as soon as you set that profit account up, those next dollars that you get in from Amazon, you're going to move some of the dollars that will represent your repeat orders for your, um, for your product. You're going to move those dollars into inventory. You're going to take 1% of what's left and put it in profit. And the rest of it stays in OPEX. And you've got to start figuring out how to live within what's left in OPEX. So it's a way to just get started kind of slow and easy. Um, but it will give you so much visibility about what's going on in your, um, in your finances. I mean, you don't have to have a... I, Okay, I'm an accountant. I have books. I manage my business by looking at my banking app. And you can do that. Anybody can do that. We can all, if we if we have those accounts set up properly, we can look at our bank account every day or once a week and know, okay, I'm this far into the month. This is when my next settlement report, report's coming. This is when I'm going to have to order inventory. Am I accumulating the money I need for inventory? Um, do I have the money there to make payroll for my my team. Um, once you start um, giving these bank accounts a purpose, you can easily understand your finances just by looking at your your banking online. Banking. Well, what about those people who really love those complicated spreadsheets? Oh, well, <laughs> then, then you're the candidate for the 23 bank accounts and we can get you there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that's awesome. So uh, what about as well, if you, you've got that set up, you're feeling good, when you say inventory, would you think about inventory for the existing business? So you say you've got a couple of products and you're like, yeah, I need to be able to have enough because obviously my sales are coming in and I need to be able to get the reorders. Then what about like new products? Would you suggest another bank account where you would put money in so you can see how you can actually launch new stuff as well? We, we usually uh, recommend either that way or one other way. Um, after you've, you've taken this baby step into the water and you've got your inventory um, dollars and after you've got that figured out and you're, you can see that the cash you have available in OPEX and the cash you have available in inventory are going to meet their purpose. And, and you've got, you need to dial that in. And it's not always the first time you get it right. Sometimes you have to tweak it. 
But once you've got that dialed in, then either, and, and you, you know, okay, there's enough cash coming out of the business to pay me and to pay my taxes. So the next step I would take would be, all right, start paying yourself, start paying your taxes, mm-hmm. um, setting money aside for that. Then I think you're ready to think about that, that next product. And when you start thinking about that product, you can either um, set up a separate bank account and say, all right, I've, I'm paying my replenishment. I'm paying um, my profit. I'm paying for myself. I'm paying my taxes. My OPEX is covered. I still have some money here. I'm going to put it into a product development account. And that might be used to make the down payment. It might be used for your marketing materials or packaging or whatever. But you can call that a product development account. And you can look at historically how your dollars, um, the dollars you have available and and say, okay, 10%, I want to grow 10% a year. I'm going to move 10% in there. Okay. The other way is just to simply leave it in inventory. Um, you you move your replenishment dollars over and then you add 10% to it. And so that inventory account should continue to grow. And um, then it's there for, as your sales increase, you might want to just expand your order quantity that you're putting in or, you know, at some point make the decision to launch um, a new product. Yeah. Gotcha. That's a really cool way of thinking about it. Not too complex right it's like okay I want to grow by 10% I'll put 10% in and then I suppose as you can go through you'll be like yeah well maybe you know we're getting great profit put more 20% in etc and probably just one more last thing if there are people that you know they've got a bunch of money they want to start their business um they're working full-time they've got a great salary already and they're like, awesome. I just, I'm just going to chuck a ton of money at this business and get it to a million bucks. And I'm not going to take anything for myself. I don't need to. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Or do you suggest a way to think, think about it over time? Because I know that it's very difficult to leave a job when you don't have a business that's kind of paying you already, right? So how do you work with people that are in that situation? Well, I think one of the most dangerous situations is when people have a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) because of Parkinson's law and they look at it, there's a lot of money here. So I just start throwing money at the problems. And instead of um, actually creating a sustainable business, they create a business that um, burns cash and that's not where you want to be. What we work with our clients on is to really reverse engineer. We have a, um, a uh, owner pay calculator, and I can share this with you if you want, um, where you can put in how what your profitability is in your business, and then it will calculate back what your percentages ought to be for paying yourself and for paying your taxes, et cetera. And so by, um, by, by figuring that out, then you can start to set money aside to pay yourself. Now, I get that not everybody wants to pay themselves and they think it's a better thing to put money into a, um, you know, buy more inventory. I would just say, give a little consideration to what happens if you lose your job. And wouldn't you really want this business to be set up with a owner pay account that could immediately start paying you something to replace that salary that you lose? Or maybe this thing really takes off and you get tired of 
constantly doing your day job and, and coming home and, and keeping up this business that's growing and taking your time and, you know, away from your family and children. So maybe you want some of that money set aside to then pay some kind of manager person. So I, I recommend people as soon as we dial in kind of the, the, the quick start aspects of things and, and there's a little extra cash, I recommend going ahead and creating that owner pay account for the purpose of either paying you in case of an emergency or paying uh, somebody to come in and manage it if it gets too big and overwhelming for you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, when you don't set up any sort of, uh, you know, owner's pay account, you don't feel like the business is scalable because you're scaling beyond the means of your actual, what you want in the end anyway, right? Because if you scale so fast in the first year that you haven't paid yourself at all ever, then what happens in second year is that you think you have to keep up with that. And then you're not going to probably pay yourself very much in the second year. And after two years of not paying yourself very much, you're not going to like that business very much. And you're probably going to be like, well, I don't even know how to pay myself anymore because I haven't set that business up the right way. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I hear from people all the time. I just want to reinvest. I want to reinvest. And you know, I, I had the a chance to hear Mark Cuban talking about this and he's like, people were saying, well, when should we expect to be able to take profits? And he's like, from you know, 30 days, you should get your profits, you know? And so Mark Cuban isn't waiting around for two years to take money out of businesses. He's like, <laughs> you know, 90 days, you hadn't made a profit, you're out of here. And he doesn't keep businesses around that don't make profits. So, yeah. you know, uh, why, why are we putting all this effort into something and, and not paying ourselves? The key concept is that growth is not always a good thing necessarily. You have to grow at your own rate that you can actually technically afford. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it really is a mistake to throw money at problems, because there'll be a time when you don't have enough money to solve the problems you create, you know? Yep. Yeah, no, I love that. That's awesome. So thank you, Cindy. Do you have any other thoughts or insights? I know we've got a quick start guide that we can put at the bottom of the show notes. Um, and like you said, maybe the calculator that you were talking about, I think that'll help people a lot. Um, have you got any other insights that you were like, I really want to talk about this? thing that you haven't spoken about yet? Well, I, I'd like to talk about my vacation. <laughs> and I, I think it, re I think it relates, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to work another week and then I'm going on a 30-day vacation. So I probably, when this airs, I'll be on vacation. But it's um, another uh, Mike McCallowitz, uh creation to take a four-week vacation and to clockwork your business. So uh, before we, we went on air, we were talking about the difference between, um, you know, finding a product and learning how to sell online and then actually growing it as a business. And when you start to grow things as a business, what you want to do is to create a system that allows you to step away. And, um, you know, one of the neat things about stepping away from the business, aside from all the fun you get to have um, is that your team gets to step up and, and you get to see where there's holes and where you need to improve. Um, so I, I think for folks that are into building a business, um, don't just, uh, you know, the, the advice of not paying yourself, obviously we kind of debunk that, but also realize that you need to be building a system in place, building your business so you can step away. Now that won't happen, you know, the, I mean, from the day I said, I'm gonna take my first week vacate, my first 
vacation, four week vacation until the day I did it, it was 18 months. It took me 18 months to do that. Um, that was four years ago. This will be the fourth year I've done it. So um, it's not something again that happens overnight, but it is something that if you're serious about building a business, get your cash right, get your systems right so that it supports your whole lifestyle because that's why we do this. We do it so that it supports us, not the other way around. So. Awesome. Yeah, exactly right. What we don't want, and we, we say this a lot, there's no point swapping a job for one that, you know, takes more of your time and doesn't pay you enough, right? <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, exactly. you've literally just given yourself a ball and chain. But to everyone else, it looks awesome, right? But yeah, you're just worse off than when you started. So you might as well just keep employed. So uh, yeah, I love that. I love that. I think as well for e-commerce or definitely Amazon sellers, it's it's actually not easy to do, but it's it's more simple to do than a lot of other businesses. You know, by, as Isaac said, you can actually have a, you know, a business running itself if you get a manager in that you can literally step away from that can be paying you, a, you know, a great salary, if you like, every every year. So I think people are in the right place. They just need to reframe the employee mindset to the business owner cash flowing mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And then that way you you just build it in the right way. So I love that. Yeah. So we're going to add a link to Bookskeep, which is your accounting firm. Uh, also a link to Profit First for e-commerce sellers and your, you know, your quick start guide and everything. That would be awesome as well. If our audience has any questions, is there anywhere else that they should contact you? What's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, bookskeep.com uh, uh, is where there's a form on there. You can get in touch. Um, uh, as I said, I'm going on vacation. So somebody from my team will be looking at those uh, forms if anybody has a question and um, happy to get back and, and try to get people on the right track if they're stuck with something. Awesome. Well, yeah, we want to thank you, Cindy, for your time and for you know explaining this concept to our listeners because I think they're truly going to get some very, very good value out of it. And I think it's worth reiterating essentially that your business should be paying you very early on, not the other way around. Like you take the rest of the money and that's what you work with, but you pay yourself first, whether it's $200 the first month or $500, you need to pay yourself first ongoing. And that way you can actually trust that this business is set up to scale with you in mind, not with debt and expenses and growth in mind. Right. So obviously thanks again for the great insights, basically how to create a truly profitable business for Amazon sellers. And, you know, if you guys like what you heard today, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share our podcast with friends who might get value out of it as well. Also, to get some absolutely free training on what it takes to have a successful business to fuel your lifestyle, head to goteamreal.com to download our free training today. And we'll see you next week for the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, Head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.